am Nana. And I'm Bonquillo, and this is African.American. This is a show about children of African immigrants and immigrants themselves living in the United States. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you saying I don't know. I just did that, and then I laughed, and uh, I guess my best imitation of an Eddie Murphy laugh. I feel like I, you know, you know what he does with the teeth, and he goes, (laughs) You're literally also doing the teeth thing as you do that. I should do that. I know, that's how I laugh. Nah. That's not how you laugh, but okay. When it's genuine, anyways, you can't see me anyhow, so it don't matter. Well, for today's episode, we will be talking to Bonquillo about an article she wrote for Sorella magazine on why it's important for her as a dark-skinned Black woman to raise her mixed-race children as non-Black. And, you know, given the Meghan Markle, Harry interview by Oprah, I think this is a very timely topic. Her article will be coming out on March 22nd in Sorella magazine so do check it out go on their website and read all about it it's quite juicy and you know her, her take. <laughs> all right now you know, a lot about Bonquillo and you know what has shaped this thinking but let's start right off what encouraged you or what what was the impetus for you writing writing this piece I mean contrary to what people might think it wasn't the Harry Megan interview had already written this sometime beforehand Um, and just so happens that Meghan Markle is mentioned so it wasn't that I promise I swear we got written proof (laughs) I think just as I I talk about it in the article just in terms of thinking about a lot of different things and thinking about just being a little bit more attuned Mm -hmm. to racial conversations conversations within the black community on social media conversations outside of it um, even some of the movies that we've been watching and reviewing and just being like, over and over and over again, we get hit with this. Um, I don't say hit with this, but like, I feel like there are certain circular conversations that keep happening that are just kind of necessary, but also kind of tiring to have. Um and one of them does have to do with like the black community and levels of levels quote unquote of blackness and how we relate to one another and how there's always different people trying to push different people inside and outside of blackness um or different people who feel that they are being pushed who feel um what's that word like uh like sharon osborne (laughs) not (laughs) sorry maybe you don't have the reference but sharon osborne and that adjective defensive. defensive. I don't know if you saw her like video with Cheryl Underwood. Yeah. Um, but that kind of like being put on defense because people are calling out different things. And um, wanting their feelings so. to be prioritized. Right, which is natural. It's a human, you know, a natural human thing. But just, yeah, just a, a lot of those kinds of conversations. I think we've had that, you know, Africans yeah. versus African Americans. And, um light skin versus dark skin mixed versus not mixed and you know all these just this year we've had mm-hmm. um where again these conversations have been happening all of our lives but just really thinking about it and i'm just old and being like okay um there's just certain things i don't want to do um and it was just an exercise in kind of putting that the thoughts to paper but mm-hmm. in a way that um Maybe you feel like, hey, maybe I should share with other people. Maybe there are other people who feel like me <laughs> and can relate. And my ideas are not, you know, that crazy out there. So I hope. Yeah. So, yeah. 
What did you mean by people, were you talking about people within the Black community trying to make the determination of who's Black enough? When you mentioned people determining who's Black and who's not, is it within specifically the Black community or also outside of it? I think it's a mix of both, but it's specific. I mean, like I think the the my piece is really about us, and it's not really us as Black people, however you want to mm-hmm. define it. And what I see is the root of the issue with why we keep having these circuitous conversations. So like it happens in real life all the time. Like mm-hmm. um, whether it's a skin color thing or it's a oh you know you're not Black because you're not African American or you're not black because you didn't grow up in the U.S. or you're, you know what I mean? All these kinds of ways that on one hand, yes, we used to divide each other. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there's some real saliency in, I don't know if that's the right word. I'm just using stuff. There is <laughs> there, there, there's some nuggets of, I don't want to say it. truth, but there is yeah. some things to, to regard, right? Because the, the, the fallback is always, we're all black. However we determine it, however we frame it, we have to be that way. And it's like, yeah, in what ways is doing that, which is the way that it's been done for so long. First of all, like the piece is really about like, why is it that way, particularly in the U.S.? And then how has that helped or hurt? the discourses that come on why do we keep going around in circles with some of these things and I think that for me or the conclusions that I reach about what I want to do with my future children God willing is is yeah. is a piece is my way of figuring out like how to like not make it so that it's you know 2041 and they're still having those same conversations like we yeah. people are complicated and we can think more complicatedly so you mentioned in the piece you've determined a way you'd like to raise your future biracial kids. How would you like to raise your kids, and what do you think has shaped that that thinking? I mean, I mean, you already said in the title, it's important to me as a dark-skinned black woman yeah. to raise my mixed-race children as non-black. So, yeah. as biracial, multiracial, I kind of went around a bunch of different terms, like trying to think about even when writing it. Sorry, can you say the question again? Why have you chosen to raise your your biracial kids as you know non-black specifically and what what do you mean by non-black so please read the piece because i go in you know it's not very long um (laughs) i explain it but in a nutshell i think the idea and again it's funny that megan markle stuff has happened now because i think that that's a really good i use her as an example and like she's even more of an example now i think that you can be of african descent Mm -hmm. but not be black just in the same way, like we all got a little bit, even Africans, right? We got some European ancestry. I have a Scottish Greek ancestor, but you know what? I'm not. I'm not Scottish or Greek. You know, we may have a clan. I don't know what you call it, like the the, the plaid of our clan. We know who who they are. We have a Greek name that's within the family. Won't say it because you know whatever. But like we are not Greek, and we are not Scottish. But for black people, particularly in the U.S., it's kind of flipped. And, you know, we've gone by this one drop rule for so long. I just, I think it's a bit archaic, for lack of a better word. And there are reasons why we have a one drop rule and it's beyond our control. It is because of the way that um, that society, particularly American society, was set up. And it's about slavery and making sure that you kept the maximum number of people of African descent enslaved to keep the economic engine of the country running. But... It, and so, like, a lot of people never even had options. Like, there wasn't anything else to check but Black. But yeah. when I think about larger discourses that go on, 
Um, I think about Meghan Markle, who is, who's always said she's biracial. She's never said I'm black. And I think even if you look at the the Oprah interview, she says as a woman of color. That's what she she never goes to say. Yeah, she as never a black says woman. black. Yeah, and that is fair because her mama is black. Her mama has dreads, but she does not, and she's not you know, whatever, we would call her white passing. I used to watch Suits before she became, like, fit. you know, I watched the show yeah. and I I found out she was biracial because her character mentioned it on Suits and I looked her up and I was like, oh, oh, for real? Okay. All yeah, right. And the character's dad was was black. Her character's father yeah. is a, her, yeah, she's also biracial on the show and, and um, but when I, you know, when I looked up on Wikipedia, I was like, oh, she actually is. Okay. But she's, you know, if she wasn't you know, married into like the whitest of the whitest of families, like she would just be like a white passing individual. And I think that even when you look at someone like her, some of the discourses about her have been weird because people keep putting the black label on her and it's like, she's not fighting it, but she, she, she had a whole article about how she is biracial. Like she, she always says I'm black and I'm white. Why do you think people have such a difficult time allowing folks to identify as biracial and not putting them in the box of you're black in the u.s we have a one drop rule that's what it's always been we have the one because of one drop their one drop i think that's what we're socialized as a black community to have we have a one drop rule i talk about that in the article i come from the dc area i've never like i think about some of my classmates they were white as walls white as white walls not red walls or green walls right And they were black and we never questioned that because like, hey, you're just light skinned, right? Like Megan Markle could have been my classmate and like I saw her, if I saw her mom, I mean, she also, she also is just like a, a lighter skin version of her mother. She looks just like her. I would never have questioned that. Um, and again, like I said, there are things institutionally like on the census. The census doesn't have anything else for you to yeah. have a biracial box until yeah. more recently. There used to be mulatto and quadroon, but that was gone early last century. And so, like, what do you check? You have no choices. And, and biracial people have talked about this for forever, right? It's not just a black-white biracial, but I think there is something about being multiracial or biracial when black ancestry is a piece of it that's also very unique. And I, we see that with everything. So, yeah, I think it is drawn into that. We 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 call historically black first to be biracial first right like Mm -hmm. we think about frederick Douglass, we think about barack obama kamala harris take your pick the first black bachelor he's actually a biracial man who's raised by his white mom and so like we we tick these boxes and we count these folks and i think for me the bigger issue with that is that we and i don't know i think i just went off on a tangent i'm sorry is that we end up marginalizing monoracial black people and when I for lack of a better term I think almost every black person has some other stuff you know we live in a global society blah 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 history colonialism pillaging of different communities um but people who are who have two black parents Mm -hmm. like regular old brown looking black folk or even darker skinned black folk, we Mm -hmm. don't see ourselves reflected in a lot of these things. Like if we really took out the number of firsts and people who are kind of like a front of different movement, we wouldn't be left with that much. And it's not because darker skinned or monoracial black people didn't 
play important roles in these different industries. I mean, I, I talk Are about in the article. Put in the roles, yeah. Right. It's not. It's about who ends up being the face of certain things, and that's okay. been a part of my thought process. And I think with someone like Megan, what we have is, you know, a lot of people saying things like this exemplifies the black woman's experience. Uh, what? I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> I think we can think more complicated than that. I absolutely. It's more nuanced. She's a victim of racism and anti-blackness. Yeah. But you can be that and still be because you are African descent or you are, you know, you have a black parent. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily are black. I think that part of what she is experiencing and part of the shock of what she's experienced has been because she's not full black. And she's been navigating the world as. Yes. She's been experiencing the privilege. Yes. Yes. I think that's one thing that folks are failing to see that the way in which we view, we look at race in the U.S. context isn't necessarily the, the same way that the royal family, what you mentioned there, the whitest of white family <laughs> is looking at it. They're seeing the one drop, they're seeing she black, her mom is black, you know, that's a black woman. You know, she's white enough to marry a prince, but she's not white enough to have the child of a prince or represent them. That was certainly very interesting to hear. Let's go to where this all starts, the Black woman in an interracial relationship. How much do you think being in that interracial relationship has also shaped your thinking of these topics? Right. So, right. It, so, it, so in a way, the way in which you're, you're thinking to raise your kids is shaped by kind of how society will see them. No, it's not. Sh- it's it's by who they will be. I'm talking about people who don't even exist yet, right? I don't know whether they will look like a Barack Obama, or look like me, or look like Meghan Markle. I have no idea what they're going to look like phenotypically, but I'm still making the argument that it really doesn't matter, because again, I mean, we've talked about it. Um, like, think about the Bridgerton class. The two black people that get the most speaking parts are actually both mixed. So even the the auntie or whatever her the the Ghanaian lady, I've forgotten her name, but you know the yeah, one who pays the like aunt figure, the aunt figure to like the main uh, the mixed dude who is fine. And I just remember that he played Chicken George on Roots and I, on the BBC version. I remember talking about BBC and being like Kunta Kinte's whole family line was very well casted. So. Um, yeah, okay, I went on a tangent with that one, but Jean Rene Page or whatever his name is, he, he he's very easy on the eyes. But again, oh, the woman who God. plays his aunt, although she is a darker skinned woman, is also mixed. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, her I guess her dad is Ghanaian and her mom is white. Um it's not about how they look. Mm-hmm. It's about a pattern that I see that I'm kind of tired of, and I'm tired of and I think that the part of the reason is that people cannot people want to kind of flatten a conversation and flatten the way that the community is. You can't say on one hand, oh, black community is diverse. And then when people try to differentiate themselves, oh, you're being divisive. At the same time, you cannot say the black community is diverse. It's very true. And then when darker skinned people say, but you know, colorism is alive and well, and you benefit from colorism, oh, this, yeah. oh you are being X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or you try and equate the experience of a very fair-skinned or mixed-race individual of African descent with, you know, the Kunta Kunta-looking people like myself. Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to acknowledge that, not just acknowledge that these privileges exist because we've been having these conversations, like, it's there, 
but people don't want to actually touch it and own it in the right, I wouldn't say, yeah, in the right ways, in my opinion. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I look at it. So, yeah, it's not about how they will look, but it's just for the mere fact that, like, once people find out that, you know, that they daddy ain't black, it's going to be a different game. Yeah. It is. And they're just going to have experiences that are distinct from the ones that I will have. And how, how difficult do you think that's going to be for you to kind of ingrain, to raise them in that way when you have not had those experiences as a black woman? I, mean, I think the world people, black women, the world over have done that. I don't think it's going to be, I think raising a child period, right? They're always going to have experiences that you don't have. I don't understand Gen Z. So I don't know how I'm going to understand two, three generations, only two, yeah, two generations after that. Um, I think as with anything, like, it's like being president. Like, you don't know what you're going to do until you get into there and you have to make certain kinds of decisions. I'm going to roll with it and do the best that I can. I think, as I say in the piece, I'm going to create a very pro-Black household. It's very important to me that they understand the privileges that come with being, you know, the light skin ones or yeah. whatever, but that they also understand that black is indeed beautiful and that they don't feed into this societal myth that's around, that kind of plays around with black is beautiful, but all the women that we see get praised for beauty, except yeah. for like two are, you know, a certain kind of phenotype or, you know, black is strong, but like all the, you know, a lot of the, the, the main I would say mouthpieces or speakers mm-hmm. for different black movements happen to be people who are mixed race um, or people who are biracial or multiracial or even in some of the other categories where we have people where it's kind of, I don't want to speak to that completely because I'm not a member of those communities, but I would say mm-hmm. that there are, I see people having issues with some discourses even within like the Afro-Latinx community or Afro-Arab yeah. community where it's kind of like cooler to be of African descent now. And so some people are like claiming that, and then other folk are like, "But you, you always claim the other. You always yeah. claim the other, and you don't. You're not, you know, that one obscure black, you know, ancestor that you may have had is not the same thing as the experience of someone who's like clearly like Afro something. Yeah. Which again, and I, I've, I've digressed a bit, but I just. Yeah, I just see all these kinds of different discourses happening and just being like, I just I just want them to be able to navigate it with some sense and mm-hmm. to also not take up all the space in the room. I think that that's what it really is. I think that black women, dark skinned black women particularly, often don't have enough space to breathe. And when they say something, they are kicked. We are kicked down by everybody else. And that's a lot of everybody else. When you look at that poll, that totem poll, and, and, and where we often fall in terms of like regards to our needs, our goals, our desires, our socioeconomic development, our educational development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And these are things we don't want to say. And when we say it, it's you're complaining, you're doing this, you're doing that, but like the numbers bear it out, right? The lighter you are, the easier a lot of things are for you. You've spoken a lot about your future kids navigating and being not taking up the the space in the room. Do you think biracial folks also feel marginalized um, within the Black community? 
I don't, I can't speak for people that I'm not, I don't want to speak for communities that I'm not a member of. I think that obviously, yes, there is going to be a feeling of marginalization, but there's also, there's a lot of space that they take up. And so there's, there's a balance that has to be done. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's like to, you know, feel like you don't have anyone that looks like you, but I do know that for me, what I will tell my children is like, I don't think they have a dearth. Like, I think about the sitcoms that I grew up on. Mm-hmm. That we will, probably won't be watching the Cosby show thanks to you-know-who, but, like, <laughs> they're a biracial people. Half the people in that family were biracial. Think about almost any show now. Think of Blackish, right? Like, all I can say is I can speak for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is still a real dearth of people who look like me and represent me in positive ways. And so... I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to make sure that people who look like me, who I know from experience, just don't have that space to do X, Y, and Z, they have it. I think other people talk about things. I think the Blackish is like a really good example of that, right? So you have to show Blackish. I, don't, I forgot how many kids they got in that family, but they have like, four now. Uh, Wait, like three of them five, 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 five. So yeah. Miles, the kid that plays Miles, Miles he's biracial. Yeah. Yara Shahidi is biracial. Um, I don't the know what twins, the, the, the twins. Know. One is one is biracial. One is that's not. why I said Miles. Oh, uh, that's Miles. Miles yeah, the oldest one is biracial as well. The boy. So yeah, the so second oldest. Of, the second oldest. Three of the second oldest kids. So yeah, so three of the five kids, and probably the baby too. I can't remember. Devante. The, I mean, I know the character Devante. names. Devante, oh. like I don't know what I'm saying is okay. So a show on blackish plus the mama, right? But at least her character is biracial. Then we get a show mixedish, and none of the kids look full black. They all look like mixed kids. And so like this is what I'm talking about. This kind of like all right. So you get repre- you're represented on blackish, and you're represented on mixedish. And when we think about the representations on blackish. The daughter, Marseille Martin is wonderful, but she's also the tri- the treacherous one. She's the one with the shady morals. She oh, very is, true. She's weird. And the grandmother is also, I, I love her. I love her character, but she the frisky one. She's the, she's weird. And so <laughs> I just feel like we need to be real about how, I think we can talk about feelings of marginalization but we do need to, I think there's a space for that. And I think that all I can say is that I want to talk about dark-skinned Black women, marginalization, mm. and representation. Because that's what I know and know well and know isn't happening, even within things that the Black community is creating. And that, to me, is a real problem because most Black people don't look like the Blackish family. Yeah. Or the mixed dish family. So no, you you do bring up a good point, especially with mixed dish. I mean, you can have a, a a black mom and a white dad, and still have the have the child come out as you know be biracial and come out as darker skin. But yeah, you, you I love Barack Obama. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like there are, but they yeah. they made a conscious choice to cast in yeah. those ways, and so and it, you know it's and again these are not shows that that I don't watch. I watch them, mm-hmm. but you know, because I mean, like, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Not watch anything? Because if I said I'm going to do that, like, all I would watch is what? How to Get Away with Murder? Like, at some point, like, you, 
you have to engage. And it's not that these people aren't talented and it's not that the storylines aren't funny or what have you. It's just, you know, year after year, decade after decade, conversation after conversation, where does it get you um, besides being labeled angry black woman by people within your community as well? So... <laughs> <laughs> have you have you uh, have you come across I guess um, biracial famous people who you think understand and get it and are creating that space, <laughs> uh, making space for other black people and not taking up the whole and the entire space? I think there are some who acknowledge it. Right, mm -hmm. acknowledge their privileges, but I think the whole thing, and 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 for me, the reason for writing the piece is not about making space, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's kind of like with, it's kind of like when we have racism discussions, right? I don't, I don't want white people to make space for me. I just need them to leave so I have space have <laughs> to be black. I don't need to be permitted to have a little bit, you know, another crumb, I want to be able to be able to stretch myself out. And I'm just never going to know what that person's experience is. And it goes back to what you're saying about like, how do mixed pe biracial people feel and, you know, their feelings of isolation, you know, the themes of confusion and, you know, not showing where they fit in. I think they should have their spaces to, to delve into that in the same ways that I would want dark skinned black people to delve into that and have those spaces to be like, we want more Stacey Abramses, right? Yeah. Like, we want a Stacey Abrams who can be a VP. We want, you know, X, Y, and Z. And instead of it just being like, oh, this is a win for us all. Yes, but, you know, we cannot stop there. And I think that that kind of happens with any movement. We say that about Black men all the time. We say that about white women. When you have certain privileges, once the battle is done, it's a little bit harder for people who have those privileges to really realize that, oh, it's actually not done because there are other people who are behind me who don't have access to those same things. So let's go back to what you said about confusion within the biracial community. Do you think folks who have black mothers tend to be as confused as folks who have white mothers or do you think it does not matter? I think it definitely matters but I, mean, I almost want to say no comment right like it really just kind of <laughs> depends. <laughs> I think that the mother in on heterosexual relationships ends up shaping and I think this is even with like interfaith relationships a lot of times too, right? The sway of the mom because of patriarchy and the structures that we have can be quite heavy. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it comes to biracial children, biracial children of African descent, I put them in, I, I, I have a better idea of what is needed for that group than all the other groups. Yeah. And I think yeah. that there is, a la Meghan Markle, there's a certain kind, there are certain privileges they have, but there are certain doors that are slammed in their face mm -hmm. because of that one drop of Negroid blood, as we are seeing, mm -hmm. you know, play out um, with, you know, baby Archie and, you know, other baby girl not named, you know, not named yet or not here yet. So it's like, I, I'm not going to put a, a value judgment on people's parenting because I can't mm. say that. I would say that I, I, I think that a Black mother, because she is Black, is able to ground her children in Blackness in a way mm -hmm. that, like, if you're not Black, you wouldn't be able to because you're just not that, right? 
So if you're not that, then you do need to find other ways to learn, connect your children to that culture. It's the same thing as like an interracial adoption, right? Like there's that, I say my idea of feelings of confusion. If you go and adopt a child from Korea and just plunk them in the middle of white America and never talk about their like never acknowledge the fact that the child is different, never connect them to like festivals or language or what have you, what do you expect? The kid knows they're different. They're going to grow up feeling different. They look at, they're going to experience things that you can't even begin to comprehend. Um, and I think that because of the way that the U.S. is structured, because one drop of black blood makes you drop black, and even if you're light-skinned, you have privileges, but at the end of the day, you're black and you're going to experience that, that it, it does give a black mother potentially a leg up. But that's not always the case. It's also like, you'd still be a shitty parent and be a black mom, right? Like, yeah. Like, that's not the start and end but I do think that that's a piece of it particularly if you're going to have a no I think for both kids I would say it's not even a gender specific thing you just need you need strong black figures Mm. male and female who can ideally help that child grow up with their sense of self that's that's what I think and that's what I'm hoping to do and (laughs) we'll see one last question for you in raising your kids in the way that you would like to raise your kids, do you think you are kind of forcing them to self-identify in a certain way or no? Do you feel like it's given them the opportunity, this is going to give them the opportunity to kind of choose whether they want to self-identify as black, whether they want to self-identify as biracial, whether they want to self-identify as white? I think that it's going to, I mean, I want to obviously guide them in a certain direction. And I want them to know that, like, you don't have to be one thing or the other because you are, whatever, from two different worlds, blah, 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 two different cultures, etc. I just don't see it as anything different, like, with religion. You could raise your child to be whatever. When they grow up, they're going to make the choices that they want to make. We all know those people who went to church every Sunday or mosque every Friday. And we all know what some of them did the moment they got to college, right? They went (laughs) buck a while. And then we also know people who did the opposite. And so it just really just depends. I want them to know that there is not just one way to be of African descent. Mm. Like, I I, I don't necessarily think I want to lean into there's not there's there's not just one way to be black and there's not. But broader than that, there's not just one way to be of African descent. What it means to be of African descent is really going to depend on, like, where you grew up. (laughs) Right. Mm. Um. And, and and how that plays into different things. I think about a friend that I have who is Sudanese and um, to me or you in the American context, she looks Creole, right? Mm. Um, and, and it's just really interesting to her. And, but, but in the Sudanese context, because there is a lot of colorism and, hi- and there's a whole hierarchy within Arab world and culture and society, a lot of times Sudanese people are looked down upon, which is... Mm-hmm really frustrating and as someone who often gets confused as a Sudanese person I have some insight into that but like Mm -hmm. you know that's not my everyday lived experience and so it's just really interesting because when she interacts with African Americans or with black people from the U.S. people relate to her and make certain assumptions about how she navigates the world right Mm -hmm. like oh you must be one of them girls who think you all that because you light skin because you got that hair because you look Creole because your skin is cafe all late and she's like, yeah, in Sudan, you got to be kamhe, kamhe or halabi. She says she's kamhe, kamhe, kamhe is like wheat. Kamhe ah. is wheat. So they, they have these layers, right? Halabiya is like white, means milk. 
So when a girl says she's Halabia, it means that she is like Lebanese person white, which like most of these people are not, right? Wow. So in her context, she ain't, she's not Halabia, so there isn't this like pedestal that she's put on, right? But in the U.S. context, there is. And so I think that long-winded <laughs> comparison is just to say that it just depends on where you are in place and time. I hope that we grow up, they grow up with like, yes. Black is beautiful. Black is awesome. I'm awesome because I am of African descent. I'm also awesome because I have this other piece of culture that I'm a part of. Um, I can be, but I don't need to have a chip on my shoulder. And and not saying that other people who do this, who are biracial or lighter skin do this, but like, I don't need to go be the president of the Black Student Union to prove that like, I'm down. (laughs) Um, But I also, and I also need to be aware of the fact that there are lots of places and spaces, black spaces included, where people will take my word for something or prefer me or choose me mm-hmm. because I'm not full black. Yeah. Um, and I think just as long as they, they have that understanding and that grounding and can use that for the betterment of mankind, then I, then I feel good. Because I think, let's be real, there are people, and I've, I've, I've seen... I've seen these in some discourses, and I don't know if you have either, not nah, discourses, in social media, <laughs> mm. where you have the, the black mothers who know that their children will have more cachet in the black community, and yes. so they put them there so that they can yes. have the advantages of... I've even seen they- it the other way around as well, um, of white mothers doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, the, you know, your kid ain't, you know, they're nothing to look at in this context, but we know that in this context, they're the be all and end all. And so you push them to be there and you socialize them with ideas that make them feel that they are actually superior to other people who are monoracial black. And that I think is, that's just toxic, right? That's toxic regardless. Um, And I, I just, I want to avoid that at all costs, right? I want kids who are like, who just see the beauty in everybody and don't just think because I don't even know, you know what I mean? Like, because this feature or this skin tone or this hair type or this whatever, that that means that they are, that gives them value. I want them to have value in their their intelligence. Um, I want them to be genuinely interested and appreciative of their cultures and other mm-hmm. cultures as well. But I do hope they marry black people. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, uh, <laughs> if I have a son. Oh, very, very oh, interesting. Since we're oh, not going that route, <laughs> why, why is it that you, you are hoping that for them? If you've raised them with that the African descent identity ingrained in them, why do you want them? Why? Well, why? why? Because I think that black. a lot of times we have a lot of people in our community, black included, who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. I'm tired. There's a lot of people. I'm not going to point names or say anything. And love is love and everything is all those things. But um, you just have a lot of men who, who, you know, they're the first ones to want to be the poster children for the Black experience and for Blackness. And then their partners, who they choose to partner with, kind of says something else. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's not about any individual person, but I just think in its aggregate, I noticed that. And I think oh, that well, like definitely. what you say and what you are two different things. So when I say I want my children to grow up with an appreciation for blackness, I want them to love it so much that they want, particularly my sons, my daughter, yeah, whatever. Because uh, then you have to deal with whatever. I, I think it's different for women than it is for men. I think men have, black men in America in particularly have choices in the ways that like women don't necessarily have choices. Um, and it's just also different because like, a lot of the pressure of this mixed biracial exoticism is on women and not on men. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whatever. That's a whole nother like conversation, but it is a part of this in terms of like things I'm hoping to prevent. But yeah, I do hope that I would hope that if I have a son, that he would marry, that he would not, that he would marry. Okay, I don't, I don't want to dictate who he's going to marry. I know my friends have talked to me about this. Like, you are, that, like, you can't do this. You can't dictate that. You have no. control. My partner said that as well. You keep saying that, they're going to do the exact opposite. The opposite, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him if she can't use my comb, you can't bring her home. However. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Go back. I've never heard that before. Say that again. No. Oh. Okay, there are families that have that rule. If she can't use my comb, don't bring her home. Which means if she's black and she don't break a few combs, then wow. she's too, she too, you know, it's the opposite of paper, whatever. I'm not going to, it's not the equivalent because whatever, the power structure. No, I understand. Yeah. yeah, I just think that I just want them to talk the talk and walk the walk. And I want them to at least give dark skinned women the same chance, assuming that there are dark skinned women that would want to give them a chance um, and not just be like, oh yeah, this is great, yeah. And then, you know, it's not reflected in their life choices in their, in their, in their partner and friend circle, so. You know, I'm so happy that you've, you're giving this thought because so many times there are a lot of parents that don't give this thought for their kids. And you you have so many kids who are confused, who, when you talk to, sound very confused, feel very confused, feel very conflicted. So it's definitely very, very important that people give thought to this about how they're going to raise their kids, how they're intentionally going to kind of raise their kids and ingrain in them the, the beauty of their Blackness, but also understanding that you know, they may self-identify, or they may they identify as biracial, and that they are not solely black. Yeah, but to acknowledge it, yeah, it is. And I mean, it, it's not. You know, I, I'm not dumping on anyone's parenting because I'm not a parent yet, right? And I don't know how hard it is or how hard it isn't. And um, and I know you can try, right? Like, we shall find out, Bonky, or maybe in a few years we'll interview you. <laughs> <laughs> Be like Maybe this I'll, I'll, I'll interview one of one of the kids and see how it goes. <laughs> how how good of a job you've done? Yeah. Like Bonquillo Junior, come here. Fingers <laughs> crossed. By the end of the day, we just want them to be, you know, healthy and you know, well adjusted. Yada 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 yada. So we just society. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing those thoughts with us. It was weird sitting here and interviewing you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do check out Bonkyo 
piece in um, Sorella Magazine. That's S-O-R-E-L-L-A Magazine. The magazine is actually an online magazine for Black women that represents, inspires, and empowers Black women to be their greatest selves. So do check out her piece. It's coming March 22nd. So check it out and let us know your thoughts. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I know we haven't done this in a while, but um, african.american at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, words, experiences that you, you know, if anything resonates with you. And you can also follow us on IG at, at african.american. Um, we'll probably, of course, we, not probably, we'll definitely have some posts <laughs> pubbing this episode and the article. So we'd love to hear from other people about their thoughts um, or even moms of biracial children, black, dark-skinned black mamas of biracial children and what your thoughts are on my proposed approach. <laughs> Catch you later. Thank you all. Yeah.